The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 322 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is early intervention in life on the autism spectrum. Now, autism is a condition which is usually recognized in early childhood. It lasts throughout a person's lifetime. It has no known cure. It's a disorder which creates for children and adults problems communicating with others, problems with social interactions, such as they're not looking you in the eye when you talk to them, and they're often seeming to be in their own world. Um, It creates problems with repetitive behaviors, such as they're spending a lot of time putting things in order before they can pay attention, and they're saying the same sentence over and over to calm themselves down. Autism can be helped by treatment that starts early. Now, autism varies so much from individual to individual that it's called a spectrum disorder. And one disorder on the autism spectrum is Asperger syndrome. Asperger syndrome may be milder than autism, typically appears as an obsessive, an obsession in a single subject. It has no known cure. No known cause. It's more common in boys than girls. It's first noticed around the age of three. It creates difficulty for the child to make friends. And it can be helped by treatment that starts early. All of which is why our topic, early intervention in life on the autism spectrum, is so important to us all. To discuss it, our guest is Tasha Keredin. Tasha is a writer and broadcaster based in Toronto, Canada. Her columns appear weekly in the National Post and on iPolitics.ca. She can be regu- regularly listened to on CTV News Channel, CBC's Radio, The House, and in French on RDI's Le Téléjournal. Born and raised in Montreal, she's led a varied career in law politics, media, public policy, and communications. She's produced and hosted television programs, co-authored the best-selling publication, Rescuing Canada's Right, a blueprint for a conservative revolution, served as director of the Fraser Institute in Quebec, and lectured on conservative policies at McGill University. 
She's received several awards for her media work, including the 2003 Justicia Prize for broadcasting from the Canadian Bar Association and the 2012 Award for Economic Education from the Montreal Economic Institute. She's a mother of one, stepmom of two, and currently lives with her family in Whitby, Ontario. So please, welcome to the show, Tasha. Nice to be here. Thank you. Okay. Now, please tell us more, Tasha, about your career and your experience with family caregiving. Tasha? Well, prior to having my daughter, Zara, um, I had no experience with family caregiving whatsoever. As you mentioned, I was very focused on my career and still am, though I will discuss how having a child even any child, but particularly a child on the autism spectrum, does affect your choices in terms of what you do with your career. But uh, I did many things in my life that took me many different places and uh, was happy to have a child, um, an amazing little girl, uh, just before I turned 39. So I waited quite a while. And she lives currently with me and my partner, her, step- her stepfather, um, who came into our lives when she was two. And prior to that, I raised her as a single parent with the help of my mother, who thankfully continues to be an almost daily presence in her life, which is wonderful, not for just any child, but particularly, again, when you have a child on the autism spectrum, there are additional demands uh, that are placed on you as a family, and it's wonderful to have the support of your family, extended family members. Um, Her biological father also sees her every month, but he's not involved in the day-to-day, and the day-to-day of caregiving for a child like Zara is a lot of work. Um, It's a lot of work at home, a lot of driving to her therapist. I spent a lot of time in my car. Um, Everything from attention to her diet and particular foods she should or should not eat and uh, strategies that you need to put in place to help her overcome some of the difficulties you talked about with communication, uh, social communication being the chief one. It's basically like another layer of parenting. That's sort of how I look at it. And it's something that, you know, as as you love all your children, I have two wonderful stepchildren as well, and you just accept it as part of your life. Um, It can be challenging, but the rewards when things go well are wonderful and worth worth the price you pay the rest of the time when things maybe don't go quite as well. Right. Now, Tasha, please tell us about your experience of your daughter Zara's life on the autism spectrum, your experience of your daughter's life. Um, well, as I said, it was a, any child is life-changing, and certainly she was life-changing for me, um, having her period. Um, but um, from the beginning, even before she was born, uh, I had a sense that there was something different about her. Um, her energy level was incredibly high. Um, her she, she When she came into the world, she, she was late, first of all, and... Uh, quite a large baby, and paid very much attention to everything. Um, you mentioned the lack of eye contact that Asperger, Asperger's children have, and she did develop that later in her life. But as an infant, she was very attentive to everything. In fact, so attentive compared to many other children of my friends. She had a very fierce will and determination, and it, um, I, I was you know, marveled at her, actually, because she developed extremely quickly particularly verbally um, by the, and, and also physically, but by the age of eight months, she said her first word. So she was, at first I never thought she had autism because the, the, the stereotype, and it is one, of children on the autism spectrum is that um, they are nonverbal, and many are, but it is a sense that they 
cannot communicate, that they are not communicators, whereas with children with Asperger's, um, it's kind of masked often in the early years. You said it's often not diagnosed until three, and that's true because in the early years, Aspies, as we call them, tend to be really big talkers, and she certainly was. So my experience with life with her initially was that she was extremely precocious, and um, it was only really when she um, she turned uh, about one and a half, two, things really started to change in the sense of her sensitivities to things. Um, her sunny nature, she had a very sunny nature initially, uh, seemed to, to move more into a Jekyll and Hyde situation. And as a parent, it was very much a struggle because I wasn't sure what was wrong. I knew something was, was different, and I wasn't sure what. I worried she might be bipolar. I worried she might have ADHD. Um, finally, when we did get a diagnosis when she was three and a half, uh, it was both sad but also a relief because it meant that the work could start to help her officially. We sort of knew, we knew now what, what the diagnosis was. And it's been a, a struggle sometimes, uh, not simply in terms of helping her, but staying on top of the condition. And every time something else comes up, you kind of worry, as a parent, you worry, is this because she is autistic or is it because she's four years old or because she's now going to be five years old? But do all children behave that way? Sometimes it's hard. You have to separate and take a step back because otherwise you can make yourself crazy worrying about every single behavior that she exhibits. Many of them will come and go, as with any children. But as you mentioned, the difficulty um, a lot of Asperger's children have in particular is with obsessions and what we call special interests, actually, and the level of, uh, of demands they often place. They can be very exhausting because, yes, they will stick on one thing, for a very long time, and they will, they will want something, they will be determined to get it in a way that other children might give up a little earlier, might not fixate on something. So for parents, you're always sort of on alert as to what is the next thing, um, and that is, it's, a, it's something very tiring sometimes. Um, but again, we can talk more about this too. There are also some amazing gifts that come with Asperger's, and my daughter has been a source of wonder for me, as well as sometimes a source of frustration. Right. Now, please tell us about your daughter, Zara's experience, including the cheerful, happy moments, the happy <laughs> times, the happy things. Yeah, well... And this is the thing. I think, um, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes. It's, there's, a, there's a saying that people have, when she is good, she is so very, very good. And when she is bad, she is horrid. And uh, it's terrible to say that, but it actually is sometimes true because, and I, I feel bad for Zara sometimes as well, because I know that many times when she has a tantrum or she uh, reacts in a certain way that, that is socially unacceptable, it's not her fault. Um, there is an underlying reason for it. She will learn to overcome these things with time because she will become more self-aware. But for any small child, it's very, it must be very frustrating for her sometimes to not be in control of the condition and the things that it, it, it creates for her. And for, for children with Asperger's, control is a very big issue. Um, one of the reasons that they appear to be extremely controlling and, and are, they like to control their environment, and Zara does too, is because lack of control equates to anxiety. And no one likes being anxious. Everyone knows what anxiety is. But for an Asperger's child, it can literally feel like their world is collapsing if very small things get out of order. Um, and for Zara, often uh, she will want to have things in, as you said, a certain order when she was smaller. Um, she would line things up a lot. She made beautiful patterns with all sorts of strange objects on the floor. Um, once we were at Chapters, 
and she lined up all the stuffed animals they had in their display in a big circle, and she made this beautiful pattern, and all the other kids were watching her, and the people in the store even said to me, wow, can we take a picture of that? That's amazing for our website. And I said, sure, and I just laughed inside because I knew why she was doing it. It was part of her Asperger's, and she had this ability or this this way to make patterns, and it it comforted her, in a sense, to do that, to line them all up. Um, So a lot of people don't understand why these behaviors happen, but for Zara, she's gone through a lot in her short life. I don't think she realizes it because she only knows how about herself. But, um, you know, she's worked very hard. Um, She's been in in what's called uh, uh, intensive behavior intervention for almost a year, and she's worked extremely hard during that time to overcome some of the difficulties she has with social communication, with attention. Um, and it really has, uh, it has, her world has opened up immensely. Um, she enjoys a lot of the things that most parents, most regular, I guess, uh, neurotypical children would enjoy. Um, but she approaches the world in a different way. She experiences the world. Her senses are still different. Um, things like touch are incredibly important to her. Uh, she likes to touch everything. You go to the right. zoo with her. You know, she'll want to touch the exhibits and the animals. It's, it's a different relationship to the world than yeah. any other children yeah. have. Yeah. Now, we've come to the point where we need to take a short break, and I'm just going to quickly respond to you. It's great to hear the full story of her experience, including the happy moments that she gives to you both. Yeah. Um, we're going to go back to that uh, in the, when we come back from the break. But meanwhile, let's do that. This is where I like to say we have to pay the rent. So this is, this is Dr. Gordon Asley, and my guest is Tasha Karedin. Um, you're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune in to the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing, Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez. Winners of the Marketer of the Year, they will show you how to generate daily leads, build databases of raving fans, and close deals faster than ever before. See what's hot right now and how you can tap into it to generate an endless supply of customers and clients. The Mojo Marketing Edge can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Tasha Keridon. Our topic is early intervention in life on the autism spectrum. Now, Tasha, let's talk about the part of the autism spectrum which we're calling Asperger syndrome, and that's the one that your daughter lives with. Now, how in your experience does Asperger syndrome first manifest itself? Tasha? It's different for every child. There's a saying that if you um, meet one Asperger's person, you meet one Asperger's person because everyone has a different set of symptoms, but uh, there are some things that are common, and the ones that were in Zara's case that are, that are very frequent with other Asperger children, um, first was her excessive energy. Um, she was extremely energetic, even as a, an infant. Um, she learned to walk at eight months. She tried to walk at six months. Um, it was quite an experience seeing a six-month-old try to walk, but she was relentless. And it's this kind of relentlessness. Um, you can call it stubbornness. You can call it determination uh, to be more positive. But it turns in later years um, to also can be an obsessiveness with things, um, special interests, as they're called. And people with Asperger's, children with Asperger's, tend to fixate and focus on things. They can be very unusual. In Zara's case, her special interest is bunnies. Um, she can talk about bunnies all day if you want her to. She has created an entire world called Bunnyland, and she has designed a bunny school, and she draws bunnies a lot. And when she gets anxious, her default is to even pretend to be a bunny. She sometimes is a bunny. And it's a comfort zone for her. It's a sort of alternative universe. And children with Asperger's often have this. They have a separate world that they sometimes retreat to that they create themselves. Um, Other issues with Asperger's, how it manifests, is uh, emotional both, um, I guess, instability is the one way to look at it, but emotional immaturity versus uh, intellectual maturity, which can be very disconcerting. Um, Zara can melt down over things like a two-year-old, even though she's just turning, she's turned five. Um, and at the same time, she can talk to you like an adult. And this makes it very difficult for her to connect to her peers. This is one of the big problems for Asperger's children because uh, they, they are not on the level the emotional level or the intellectual level most of the time of their peers. And so um, that makes it hard for her to connect and make friends. She's also, though not so much anymore at all, but was extremely sensitive to stimuli, light, touch, and sound. She still loves touching things. She's very tactile. When you go somewhere with her, she will want to touch. Um, Another example of that, we went to a show of Disney on Ice, and she watched the show, and at the halftime, she wanted to go down to the arena, not to meet anyone or talk to any of the characters. She wanted to touch the set. She wanted to feel the moss that was present on one of the rocks, the, the fake rocks they had. So these kinds of, of needs to touch, and some kids are aversive to touch, but she needs to touch things. And she used to be extremely sensitive to sound and light to the point where she had to wear headphones to cover her ears in her play school when other children sang. It was very sad, actually, on that level um, that we have, and we'll talk about how children can overcome that, or anyone can, and it's quite amazing how she has worked now. She's hardly affected by sound at all, which is wonderful. Um, 
And there's also other things um, that are positive things with her, and many Asperger's children have this too. She has an incredible memory. Uh, even when she was two years old, if I couldn't remember someone's name, I could ask Zara, who is that? And she would know. She would remember the name of the person who, you know, helped sew a, a suit that I had to get altered or whatnot. She has a great attention to detail, but she focuses on something she wants to focus on. She could do it for hours. However, getting her to do something she doesn't want to do is very difficult, and that's one of the things she works on is flexibility. She doesn't have very much of it, but she has more than she used to. Now, that leads to the next question. For a young child like Zara, what are the most challenging of the challenges that are associated with Asperger's? Um, They change with time. And this is the thing as a parent, as a caregiver, you, you learn to, to go with the flow a bit because once you overcome one thing, um, something else will come up at different stages of her life. And for a small child like Zara, the first big issue was physical overstimulation of the senses. Um, she was uh, sensory, um, I guess, uh, intolerant of many things, loud sounds in particular, but even any type of singing or music when she was two and a half, uh, I could no longer sing to her. I could no longer play any music in the house. She would scream and cover her ears and hide. That was, you know, that was a sign that something was very wrong, and it was from that point that I really began to try and look for answers because I didn't know what I was dealing with. Um, But that has been mostly overcome by occupational therapy. The only thing that bothers her now on a sound perspective is those really loud hand dryers in public washrooms. She hates those. (laughs) And i got to say, I don't like them either. Um, But the next big issue is really going to be the social part when she starts kindergarten um, this fall. And to be able to connect with her peers, um, initially she didn't play with any of them until she was three and a half years old. She never played with another child. She had no interest whatsoever in other children. She would watch them play. And now she wants to make friends, but she's going to have to learn that it's a give and take. It's not always on her terms. And the problem with Asperger's is that the challenge is for her to be able to be flexible with other children, play the game they want to, take turns with them, not always have her way. And uh, the other big thing, of course, is going to be attention in school. She has difficulty paying attention for long periods of time to activities she's not interested in. And many of us are like that, but... We sort of put up with it. For her, it's actually a physical difficulty. Her brain is not, is not wired. She doesn't have the empathy that most people necessarily have to connect and think, well, the teacher wants me to do this. Okay, I should do this. With her, it's like, no, I don't like it. I'm not doing it unless there's a reward or some other thing I can get out of it. And that's where we can talk about the behavior interventions that are done, which can actually retrain her in a way to accept the suggestions of others, and accept to do things that she's not as naturally interested in. Right. Now, for the family of a young child like Zara, living with Asperger's, what are the most challenging of the challenges? You've already mentioned several of them, but Mm -hmm. if you please put those into a kind of sequence for us, please. Well, it's, um, you know, the, the difficulty really, I think the biggest thing is that you don't know what to expect. You you live with the unknown because you're never sure in a new environment how she may react to something. Um, so you live on eggshells a lot of the time, and you're always concerned if a new behavior manifests itself. Oh, my goodness, is that Asperger's or is that just she's being four? Uh, you know, she's gone through various types of stims, as they're called, the repetitive behavior that children with autism often have that comforts them. And in her case, the first one was she would snort. She would literally go, 
like a pig. She would snort through her nose um, for no reason. And then that morphed into clearing her throat. And now she will just rub her fingers together. Uh, it's, it's not super noticeable until you sort of look at her for a long time. And you'll see she'll just stand there and just rub her fingers together beside her, uh, standing beside her. And these kinds of things, when they happen, at first you, you get very worried. Um, but like I said, you learn to accept that some things are just part of the condition, will not necessarily go away. Others are more difficult, uh, such as fearing for her physical safety. That is a big issue now. Um, Zara is what is called an eloper. She likes to run away, and she will just leave the house now when she feels like it. All of a sudden, she's on the front lawn chasing a squirrel. She hasn't told anyone she's leaving the house. You look out the window, there she is. Um, Running away, uh, the tendency to just leave without conferring with an adult is a huge problem for parents and caregivers of Asperger's or even autistic children because um, there's statistically, uh, it's a risk literally for death. Um, One of the main causes of death in autistic children is actually accidents, drownings, because they wander off. And this is something that we have to address now by putting chimes on our doors so we know when they open. Um, This is the other level of parenting I was talking about, you know, teaching Zara not to leave without telling us. But even though you can repeat it, you know, a hundred times, she may not clue in. It's taken a very long time for her to be conscious of the dangers of cars, for example. Um, She, unlike other children, doesn't want to stick near me when we do activities. Uh, If we go skating, she wants me to go away. She wants to do it by herself, even though she can't skate, and will literally scream at me in the skating rink to leave her alone, even though she can barely stand up. Um, it's these kinds of, of disregard for physical safety and pushing the limits that is very challenging as a parent because you don't want to limit her from doing things, but you've got to protect her a lot, and you end up fighting with her over that because she doesn't understand why you have to do it. Just take, talk a little bit more about this challenge because it – as you've described it, it really is a challenge, a, a challenging challenge. What about when Zara goes, um, now starts to go to kindergarten to, let's call it school, when mm-hmm. you're not around and well, she does it's, these things? Well, it's, it's a worry. Um, the school she is going to, I'm very fortunate to have found a school, and it's a public school, but they have quite a few children with special needs, and they have um, adaptations for them. It literally, in kindergarten, there's a second set of eyes. There's a teaching assistant that is present for all children, but they are one of their main jobs is to keep an extra set of eyes for children like Zara at recess or other times when they could potentially escape. And uh, the schools also have a policy where you, you can't just leave the, the premises. The doors are locked. Um, you have to go to the office, this kind of thing. So there are some safeguards in place, but... It is a concern, and it's a real concern um, for parents because when your child is not with you, obviously, you know, you, you, you worry anyway. But with children with Asperger's, they have to be really um, trained, I guess is the word, to, to try and understand. And often with, with Asperger's children, as they get older, the best way to reach them is through logic so that they understand that, you know, you don't leave because something bad could happen to you. It's hard to conceptualize that to a five-year-old, but when she is older it will be easier for her to logically understand why a behavior should be there, even if she disagrees with with, uh, the premise of the behavior. So just to put it this way, therefore, the education about risk and safety becomes increasingly important as Zara's life expands into the wider world. Is that oh, a fair does. thing to say? It does. And we have actually one of the things um, we do, is, or what I'm starting to do with her is social stories where you visually represent 
what the expected rules are that she should follow in situations. And we have one, we have a book that we made um, together with uh, one of the government agencies that, that finally, after a year on the waiting list, got in touch with me and they helped me do this, um, is make a little book which is called Playing Outside with Wheels. And it literally gives her instructions as to how to play outside safely on a scooter. Go to point A and stop. Wait for mummy. Go to point B and stop. Wait for mummy. It, it sounds crazy, but... She has a map that she follows in the neighborhood, and she sticks to it like glue. And as soon as we put this in place, we could go scootering without fear, because otherwise I could say to her, stop, I could yell stop, and she just would not, even if there was a car. Mm. Finally, when she knew the rules, she, her anxiety was gone, and she could just follow them, and she was fine. So these are the kinds of extra parenting one has to do to respect the way she sees the world and work with her, as opposed to just forcing her to do something that unfortunately, is against her nature. Right. Now, um, we're going to have to take the break again, but we're coming back to talk about other aspects of these things that you've been describing to us, Tasha. So, this is Dr. Gordon Asley, and my guest is Tasha Caridon. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Tasha Caridin. Our topic is early intervention in life on the autism spectrum. Now, let's talk about intervention 
for Asperger's. Tasha, first question. For Asperger's, what interventions are needed, when are they needed, and why are they needed then at that particular point? Tasha? Uh, they're needed as soon as possible, as soon as diagnosis. Even children now under a year of age can be assessed for lack of eye contact, which can be indicative of any point on the autism spectrum, not necessarily Asperger's. Um, but it's the earlier the better is the rule. Um, ideally, if a child is to do the type of therapy Zara has been doing now for almost a year, she would have started a year earlier um, if she had started uh, apl- either applied behavior analysis or um, intensive behavior intervention. If she had done that starting at age three, it would have been better than if she started at age four. But regardless, um, doing it within that window is still the time to do it. Uh, or even earlier, if a child is diagnosed at two, many um, practitioners are reluctant to diagnose Asperger's that early, uh, though it is becoming more common. Um, but I think that, you know, when, as a parent, when something is, is manifestly different about your child and you know that there is an issue and when it's interfering with their enjoyment of the world, as it was with her, um, clearly something needs to be done. And that can take various forms. Um, occupational therapy, I think, is, is incredibly important, and that's where we were recommended to start, and it, it changed her world completely. Um, behavior intervention, as I mentioned, which is daily therapy, one-on-one with a therapist, has also incredibly changed her ability to be at ease in social situations, in groups, and and in school, obviously. Um, And social thinking therapy also is something she's doing now as she's moving into more social settings and and going to school. She has started doing social thinking, um, which is a means of getting her to develop empathy, which is something that naturally she does not have and that she will have to learn to put herself in other people's shoes, which is really necessary if you're going to get along with your peers and not prevent your uh, anxieties and your social communication problems from um, allowing you to succeed in life. Because the thing to remember with, with children with Asperger's and many children on the autism spectrum in, in general is that they have a lot of gifts, but they're prevented from using them because they cannot communicate, or when they do communicate, it's in an awkward and off-putting way. And if you can allow them to overcome those difficulties to the greatest possible extent, they can really shine in their chosen field or their chosen profession eventually later in life. Right. Now, I want you to go over these interventions that Zara received, and Mm -hmm. I want you please to explain to us which of the challenges changed her or the situation for the better, and which challenges remained for her. Sure. Um, Initially, we focused on the physical. As I mentioned, uh, initially we changed her diet. Um, We eliminated gluten and casein. The theory behind that is that uh, many children, and Zara did have a lot of digestive issues when she was young, Um, the irritability of a young child, of an infant, um, when they are improperly digesting foods uh, or when it's even affecting their brain chemistry, as some of the thinking goes, a lot of research being done on this, shows that it can interfere with their ability to learn and just also increase their their general level of irritability to a point where um, they will become more tantrumy, more emotional. So it, it... by changing her diet, her diet did have a definitely an effect on her irritability. She became less irritable and more uh, at ease, more as if she was really when she was kind of initially, when she was very much younger. Um, we also did what's called the Wilberger Brushing Protocol. This is a form of occupational therapy, and I cannot emphasize this enough. If there's, if there's one thing your listeners take out of this broadcast, 
if you have a child on the autism spectrum or if you yourself are an adult with autism, go and try this protocol. Um, it, is devel- it was developed to essentially help desensitize the overstimulation that many people on the autism spectrum feel to things like sound, light, uh, touch, and even crowds, um, the anxiety many people have when there's just too much stimulation in the environment. And it is a simple protocol. It is inexpensive. It is time-consuming at first. You have to do it every two hours for two weeks and then another two weeks, and then you sort of scale it back. But the intervention itself only takes a few minutes. You brush the skin with a special brush. You compress the joints. Um, you have to learn this from a therapist. It takes, you know, a half-hour session, and you're, you can do it yourself um, to your child. It changed her world. If there was one thing, um, she had not let me sing to her for a year and she could not stand any music whatsoever. Within days of starting this, I was able to sing to her for the first time in that year. And it was just, it was, it was mind-blowing because, honestly, um, she used to love my singing when she was very small. She would ask me to sing all the time, and then she stopped. And uh, it really has been shown in many other children to have sometimes extremely dramatic effects. It certainly did with her. And it opened her world because then we were able to go forth in the world without the, the, the fear, the constant fear of sound, which had really begun limiting her horizons. We, we couldn't go to a soccer class because when the children clapped and cheered, she would cry and throw herself right. to the ground and cover her ears. And that is the one thing, really, that made the biggest difference physically. Um, the other thing that's made the biggest yeah, difference... Tasha, I'm just going yep. to interrupt you because this is yep. so important. Please give us the name again Sure, it's Wilberger Brushing Protocol. Wilberger is spelled W-I-L-B-A-R-G-A-R. And you can look it up on the Internet. Uh, like I said, it's not complicated. It's not expensive. Um, it is time-consuming at first, but it can have dramatic results. And I really recommend that anyone at least try it um, because I've seen it with Zara. I've seen it with other children, too. It's just amazing. Um, the other thing that really had a great effect, which was a very expensive, unfortunately, was intensive behavior intervention, which she's been doing for a year. Um, just to give your listeners a sense, uh, you know, she does it three hours a day, and the cost for that year is 30000 Canadian dollars. Um, it's a lot of money, but it is the only proven treatment to, to remedy behavior and to allow children to develop more flexibility, more behavior that allow more pro-social behavior, be able to interact with others, um, increase eye contact. There have been studies done on this that show that it is it does work much of the time and make an improvement in almost all the children who try it, and about close to 40% actually lose their diagnosis um, if they do this for a couple of years. So I saw it as something that I could not deprive her of, even though financially it is a stretch, and it, it would be, and we can talk about the role of government in this, because that is one yes. place where, really, um, I think that our health system, particularly in Canada, has fallen short and is not funding that kind of intervention, which, for Zara, has made her much more flexible. Everyone who's worked with her has noticed that change, and it is so much, her future is so much brighter for her because of that behavior intervention. Tasha, just let me ask you, what is the name again of that behavioral intervention you're talking um, about? She does what's called intensive behavior intervention. So she's one-on-one with a the therapist for three hours every day. Some children do it for the full eight hours. Um, and she is now 
in the last few months been with a group of children. It's three-on-one as opposed to one-to-one. So she's definitely progressed in her, in her ability to function independently in groups. That's really the goal is to get her to be um, able to take instruction in a group. Um, but it starts with one-on-one. And for some children who are more severely affected, it can be as simple as getting them to have a reciprocal conversation, which many children with Asperger's have problems with. They'll talk at you for a very long time, but they're not really talking with you. They're just telling you information about maybe their pet interest or something. And um, that is something that uh, is really critical in the early years before children go to school because if those patterns are not set before they go to school, then they end up being bullied, they end up being teased, they don't make friends. If you can get to them earlier and help them navigate by changing some behaviors before they hit school, it really can make all the difference. Right. Now, my last question on this in this particular segment is this. Without the interventions, what could the future have held for Zara? And with the interventions, what do you, what do you think the future now holds for her? Tasha? Well, I don't like to think of her future without it. I really don't because, um, not to dwell on statistics, but... The vast majority of adults with Asperger's that have not had any kind of intervention uh, are not successful in life in the sense that they do not hold a job. They're not able to hold a job. Um, they're not able to form relationships um, with, uh, with a partner. Um, they do not have families on their own. Um, it is Statistically, it is quite sad, and some people will find their way regardless, but many people without the tools will not despite how brilliant they may be or how gifted they may be. And that is what pushes me, has pushed me to get a lot of intervention for Zara. I mentioned the two specific ones, but she's done a lot of other things. Like she's starting now what's called social thinking therapy to develop empathy. Um, We did other uh, types of what's called a sensory diet for her where she uh, literally we transformed our basement to like a little gym with a mini trampoline and all these things so she could physically get a handle on her senses. Um, those kinds of interventions mean that I think the future is very bright for her. I think she will develop into uh, a completely functioning, in fact, probably very functioning adult because she is so smart and she is so gifted in things like art um, and, and language. I think she will be able to use those gifts. So I'm confident that by, lear- by learning how to overcome the difficulties inherent to a condition, she can use the gifts to shine. Um, if she had not, then I am sure that she would have trouble going through a job interview, which she would have trouble uh, getting a job, holding a job, connecting with peers, and she will still have trouble with those things more than a neurotypical person, but she will also be self-aware and know that she has to work on that if she's going to get what she wants out of life. And whatever she chooses to, to want to do, at least I will have helped her get the tools to make that happen, regardless of how you know successful by whatever standard people judge success she is. As long as she is a happy, functioning adult, um, that is my goal here, and I, I'm confident that she will achieve it. Very powerful, strong, encouraging message. Now, let's take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Tasha Carridan. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
Do you ever just ask why? If others, especially children, ask you the same question, how do you answer? Is life a whole bunch of questions just waiting for the right answer? When you tune in to The Mickey Ellison Show, you'll find out how to find the answers and open up so many more questions as you do. At what point in our lives did we stop answering the why questions and just settle for whatever answer we've been programmed to settle for? Never stop asking why. Join Mickey Ellison every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Want to help make our world a better place, but not sure where to start? Tune into Better Worldians Radio with the creators of the social game on Facebook called A Better World. Join hosts Ray, Mary Sue, and Gregory Hansel, who will inspire you to make a big difference in small ways. They'll speak to experts, authors, volunteers, and everyday people who are changing the world daily. Better Worldians Radio is heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Tasha Kerridan. Our topic is early intervention in life on the autism spectrum. Now, Tasha, let's talk about the things you would like to do and you would like to see done to address the needs of children who are living their lives on the autism spectrum. So first question, what more would you like to do, Tasha? Uh, well, what I, you know, I, I always, one of the challenges of being a parent is you're always thinking, am I doing enough? Um, and then sometimes you have to stop because you realize you are doing a lot and, and recognize that. But uh, the things I would still like to do, um, the main one, I think, is uh, what I've realized is that for my child to be, uh, to be calm, to be able to progress and learn and take in all the, the training and information and things she's getting, I need to be calm. I need to create a home environment that is uh, nurturing and where the emotions are kept I don't say in check, but where there's a little emotional disturbance where people don't have outbursts, where my frustrations, in other words, don't show as much as perhaps otherwise I might let them. Because she's an emotional sponge, and many children with autism, people think they're not emotional. It's actually not true. They're very sensitive to other people's emotions. It can very much upset them to be around people who are very stressed out. So for me, one of my goals is to be calm, and that has affected my life, it's affected my career too and, and the choices I'm making to, to not work as much as I might have otherwise because I need to keep that balance. Otherwise, I'm overstressed and then I'm not a good mother. Um, so this is the sort of mindfulness that I, that I have to do. And in addition to that, um, staying on top of the research that's being done and the programs that are out there to help Zara and in that 
in that vein, um, the Internet is a very rich load of both information and also misinformation. One has to be careful about yes. what one sees. There's a lot of misinformation out there about the causes of autism, um, you know, the vaccine theory, all these things that have actually been disproved. And as a parent, you know, you have to learn to navigate that and find what's best for your child. So that's another layer of research that you regularly, I regularly do. And, you know, and I know also as she gets older, when she hits puberty, for example, um, she's going to go through a tough time. Most children with Asperger's do because, again, their peers are at a different emotional level. They move ahead to being interested in the opposite sex uh, or the same sex or just sex in general. Mm-hmm. And Asperger's kids tend to... Um, back. They tend to act younger, and then their peers aren't interested in them anymore, and they lose their friends, and these kinds of issues will come up. So I have to stay on top of those things for her and be able to guide her and offer her the help that the therapy or whatever she needs at different points in her life to be able to make sense of this and move to the next stage of her development. So that's my job, is basically to be her coach, I guess you would say. Right. Now, what more would you like to see done by healthcare and social systems? Ah, where do we start? Um, this is a big one because the you know autism is frustrating. Um, when you have children who have, uh, as one of my my stepdaughter has diabetes. Um, when she was diagnosed, uh, the family when she was younger, juvenile diabetes got help from the government. Um, you know we have public health here in Canada, and she received insulin. She received treatment. The, the parents were helped by the the system, so to speak, with that. Um, and diabetes is recognized as an issue, but autism is not. Um, you know, autism is not treated the same way as a broken leg or as any other condition. And many mental health issues are also following that trap. But the, the tragedy with autism is that early intervention can make such a difference. And the people who say, well, you know, it costs too much, behavior intervention is too costly per child, well, you either pay now or later is the unfortunate truth. Um, children who then grow into adults who can't hold a job will be dependent on the government, uh, and that's your tax dollars, and that's not good. So if you're going to say, well, we, we're going to deny you treatment now, um, you're not saving money down the road. And I think that more research has to be done into the causes of autism to be able to, to actually treat it, both the biological, because there's a lot of, of, of research in that, in the gut-brain connection in autism, also in the behavioral issues in autism. Um, but I think that we know there are certain therapies that do help, and they should be offered. I, I have no problem with asking parents to pay part of it. It should be means-tested, no problem at all. But for parents who do not have the means and have an autistic child, I do not believe that if we're going to offer treatment for other illnesses and other conditions that we should deny that to them completely. Um, there, should be, there should not be waiting lists of two, right. three years because the kids right. can't wait. They are just too young. They, if, they, if they don't get the treatment when they're young, it will not help them. Right. Now, final question, unfortunately, because we're coming to the end of this superb episode. What's your message for family caregivers of children living their lives on the autism spectrum? Tasha? Um, Don't give up, because even if sometimes it feels very daunting and you feel frustrated and you you don't know what to do, don't give up. Um, Connect with other families on the spectrum. Connect with community groups. Um, if you're not getting help from uh, the social services that you're trying to access, broaden your outreach, knock on every door until you find some help. And the, the issue of intervention cannot be done early enough. I would stress that to intervene early and often, try different things. If a therapy is not working for your child for a period of time, then try something else. Um, 
but the most important thing is to keep trying because these children, um, and I've seen very different kinds of kids on the spectrum, all have something to offer if you can unlock their potential. And I really do believe that um, we can reach them in different ways. Everyone is unique, but there are so many proven treatments for different things. They are worth trying, so don't give up and keep up hope. My message. And I'm just going to add very quickly one to what you've just said. To mothers particularly, but family caregivers, look after yourselves in the <laughs> yes. way that you, Tasha, have just described. That's right, isn't it? Yes, it is. And that's something I'm still working on because it's so much <laughs> easier to put on their oxygen mask before you put on your own. But that's what they tell you in the airplane, too. You have to look after yourself first or else you can't look after anyone. So do take time for yourselves, too. Um, and give yourselves a break uh, because, right. you know, you're doing the best you can. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Unfortunately, we've come to the end of this episode. Tasha, thank you very much for sharing with us so much insight, your experience, your advice, and your sense of optimism. So all I can say to you is every success in everything you do and all the things that you would like to do and all the things that you would like to see done, I hope you and everybody in the same situation that you're in will press politically for those changes and now, we are to, yes thank you <laughs> now i want to say thank you to our listeners we'd like to hear your comments on this episode and from our listeners i'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show our next episode will be informing family caregivers about vector-borne illnesses such as lyme disease please join us same time same spot on the internet talk with you then Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.